Go record. Oh. All right. Good evening, everyone. We are going to uh, learn Parshas Vayishlach, and there's so many things to talk about. So I'm going to pick a topic that uh, you probably haven't heard much about it. And the reason you haven't heard much about it is you don't really see it on a daily basis. It is one of the 613 mitzvahs, and it is really the third mitzvah of the Torah in this week's Parsha. Let's give the background to appreciate the mitzvah over here. Uh, so we know that uh, Yaakov is re- returning to Eretz Yisrael, and he sends messengers to find out how Esau's feeling about him since the last time they met, which, or didn't meet really, which was about uh, 34 years prior. And the messengers say, oh, he's upset, he wants to kill you, he's, everything wants to do all that. And Yaakov is very much afraid, he prays to Hashem, he sends Esau a gift, he prepares for battle, and he crosses his family into a more protected area. And then he forgot a few things. He's alone at night. And then he's encountered by, the Torah says, an ish, a person. But then we find out it's an angel. And the rabbis tell us it is the, uh, the angel of Esau. And they have a rip-roaring wrestling match. And in the midst of the rip-roaring wrestling match, the angel hits Yaakov on the sciatic nerve, causing Yaakov to limp. Yaakov continues to battle with the angel, and he, uh, they wrestle to a draw. Finally, the angel blesses him, and then we are told that Yaakov was limping, and, uh, and then subsequent to that, or he, uh, the sun rises and he is healed. But in the midst of all this, the Torah now gives us a mitzvah. And that's source number one. It says, That is why the Jewish people do not eat the thigh muscle that's on the socket of the hip. Okay. What? Anyway, that's the that's the gita nasha. This is from the back legs, and we don't, we just don't eat any of that. Why? Kinoga Yaakov, because the hip socket was wrenched out at the thigh muscle, the gita nasha of Yaakov. So. This is where we learn there's a prohibition to not eat the gid hanoshe. The, uh, it's like a sinew that's in the hip of an animal. So since Yaakov was hit in that spot and caused him to limp, therefore a mitzvah was developed from this to not eat that part in an animal. That is the mitzvah. Again, the reason you don't know about this mitzvah is because we just don't even use anything in the back legs at all. We only use four legs. However, in more, uh, in more um, p- 
poor, in poorer countries where they have to use it, then there's a very complicated procedure of removing that that, that sinew, and you need to have an expertise of that because if you don't pull it out properly, it gets stuck inside, and then you got to throw out that whole area. But generally speaking, you're not aware of this mitzvah, so. The question is, why are we learning about it today? Because everything in the Torah is of great value for us to understand. Amen. So that's that's going to be our discussion for today. So is everybody clear of what the mitzvah is? Every time you buy meat from Sobeys, you can be sure we haven't even come close to that, and we don't transgress that Avera. Okay, that is the mitzvah. So first, just we'll show you a nice little word play. Rav Moshe Wolfson, may he live and be well. He says the gematria, not of this Pasuk, but it's mentioned in an earlier Pasuk, the word kaf yerech Yaakov, which is that socket of the hip. The numerical value of that, if you count it up, is 512. Wow. And the three words, Lahadlik Ne'er Hanukkah, which is the blessing when we light the Hanukkah, is also 512. So, since we're less than two weeks away from Hanukkah, so there's got to be something about this parsha and about the Gid Hanusha that has what to speak about and connecting to Hanukkah. So, if we'll understand the message of the Gid Hanusha, we'll understand the message of Hanukkah. Now, this mitzvah is a very, very, there's a whole chapter in the Talmud dedicated just to this subject. In Meseches Chulin, where it talks about the slaughtering animals, and it mentions very, very specific, it only applies to the tendon of a, on a hip socket. Since birds don't have hip sockets, their tendons are all permitted. There's a machlokas in the Gemara if the prohibition is only on the right tendon or on the left tendon. And that depends on the debate where did the angel wound Yaakov. It's a whole discussion, but it's a very, very small area, very precise area of where this mitzvah applies. Now, the question is, what's the connection? Like, why... What, what part of the story brings out this mitzvah? All we have is, it says that Yaakov was limping. Okay? Therefore, the Jews don't eat the sciatic nerve because Yaakov had a sciatic nerve that was moved out of its place. So now for when we eat animals, we don't eat the sciatic nerve. So the question is, why? What, what's the connection? Now, let, 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 we can really expand on this question because, you know, Avram had a lot of miracles happen to him, no? Yeah, yeah. He fought battles. Yitzchak had miracles happen. We don't have any particular mitzvahs. I mean, we have bris milah, okay, but that was, everyone gets a bris milah. That's pretty obvious that, that he, you know, but, uh, you know, those things that are obvious are obvious, but, you know, I'm at a big war, World War Three, with the great kings. Great miracles happened. And so, like, what, what exactly is the connection 
the Torah is saying clearly, it's saying we don't eat this Gid Hanosheh because Yaakov got hit on his. So what does that mean? What does that mean? So if we look in source number three, we look in the Rajbam, the Rajbam says, just very briefly, he says, Lezikaron Gevuraso Shal Yaakov. As a reminder of the heroism of Yaakov, Venes Shaosolo, and the miracle that Hashem did for him, Shalomay said he did not die. Okay, so now, so now the fact that when I slaughtered animal and I removed that that sinew or I don't eat it, so it reminds me of the miracle that happened. Okay, what exactly was the miracle? What, what was the miracle? He survived. He survived. Oh, well, let's get the whole story here. He's fighting an angel. Hashem brought the angel. Pretty, pretty. I know, but a pretty strong angel. Yeah, he's survived. Usually, you lose to an angel. Yeah. So, what would you say was the miracle of the story? He survived. He actually survived. He he won the battle. No, but his strength. He won the battle. His strength. It was his strength. Okay, it was his strength. Was it his strength? No, it was the strength. Was he wounded? Temporarily. During the battle? Yes. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. So you got wounded. So again, so so what is exactly the miracle? Let's define the miracle. Got wounded. It's a miracle to get wounded. That's what we're selling you. Do you think it's a miracle to get wounded? We 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 celebrate. Let's let let's let's try to understand this. Let's say God forbid you're in a car accident. Yeah. Your your car went over the what guardrail goes down an embankment tumbles over 27 times get a scratch on your forehead and you walk up so every year to remember the miracle you're going to not eat an animal that has a scratch on its forehead <laughs> I mean what was the miracle that you came out so unscathed you came out unscathed so what was the miracle here he defeated the Malach. Isn't that the miracle? God bless you. Okay, so shouldn't we have some? How about let's say uh, you know, like at the seder table at the at the car, we have a zeroa, the shank bone, because of God's outstretched hand. So let's have a let's eat a, a special shank bone on the day that Yaakov had this battle to remember his great victory. Yeah, because you're taking something away rather than making it present to to as a reminder. Yeah, so this this is a problem with the Rajbam. And let's take a look at the Sefer Achinuch, who elaborates on this more. It's a little bit of a longer source, source number four. I'll read the Hebrew, you can look in the English. The Sefer Achinuch is written by an, an unknown name. Uh, we don't know who it is, but we know it's very reliable. Who listed the 630 mitzvahs according to the Torah's order. And after explaining the mitzvahs, he gave us the reasons to what we could understand. He says, Mishrashi mitzvah zu. What is the root of this mitzvah? Kadeshi aremes the Yisraelish. Be a hint to the Jews. Sha'afapishi yizbalut saras rabas begolos. 
Miyad Amim Umiyad Neyesov. Even though we suffer many great sorrows in the exile from the hands of the many nations and from the hands of the descendants of Esav, we shall be sure and certain we will not be lost. That always the descendants of, ya of ya Yaakov and their name will always be. There will always be a redeemer who will save us from this trouble. And we're going to remember this concept always. Are they a mitzvah? Through this mitzvah, Shetayla Zikaron will remind us. When we don't eat that sinew of the animal, will remind us. Yamdu Bemun also, we will remain with our faith and righteousness forever. Verema Zehu, and what's the hint? Lefisha also Malach, Shinochem Yaakov, and that angel that fought with Yaakov, the Medrash tells it, Shasar Shal Esav. He was the, the ministering angel of Esav. He wanted to remove Yaakov from the world. He wanted to put Yaakov away. You know, he was missing in action that night. Can you imagine? They all wake up the next morning, Yaakov's gone. Dead. That's the end of the Jewish people. That's what I'm to do. Well, himself, but at the end, they got a salvation from them. As we find... Uh, where it says just a little bit later, uh, it mentions and plus Lamed Bays a little bit later on over there. It says that the sun shined for Yaakov and he was healed, and he was saved from the from the terrible um, challenge. And so too, the sun will rise for the Mashiach, and will heal us from our suffering that shall come speedily in our days. Okay, so according to the Sefer Achinuch, what's the reason for this mitzvah? Let's be very clear. He's being very clear. What's he saying? We don't eat the Gira Nasha to remember what? It's not a trick question. Yeah. I'm just asking you to spit back what the Sefer Achinuch wrote. Just like Hashem saved Yaakov, He will save us. He will save us. So again, so uh, let's we'll, we'll be an example. Let's say Pesach. What do we do on Pesach to remember the salvation of Jewish people? A whole lot of things. Yeah. We have a mitzvah to, to tell over the story of the Exodus. We have a mitzvah to eat the matzah because the matzah didn't have time to rise and we got kicked out so fast. Or we ate the matzah slaves or whatever, however else you want to say it. We eat the moror because right. of the bitterness. And we have a Corbin Pesach because the Jews had to make a Corbin Pesach. Every mitzvah fits into the main storyline. And sukkahs, we, we sit in a sukkah because we were in a sukkah in the desert. Okay, every holiday, the midst of the holiday is spot on. So if I asked you, okay, how do we commemorate the fact that Yaakov, and that is a paradigm now for all generations, 
that even if the non-Jews are very hard on us and give us a lot of suffering, we know that we'll always come out on top. And if I asked you, what would you do to commemorate that? What would you say? Don't eat the sinew. Don't eat the <laughs> sinew of this animal. Makes perfect sense. <laughs> okay. So, and if anything, that was a wound that happened. Yeah. You know, there. You know, maybe we should all. Um, we should. We should. Let's say like this. Every every year we should say the blessing that the angel gave Yaakov. Your name will no longer be Yaakov, but your name will be Yisrael because you are able to fight with enemies and overcome them. Just like it's a mitzvah to say Shema Yisrael every day. We should say this every day. That would, that would be a good thing to do. Or maybe we should have a wrestling match once a year and have someone dressed up like Yaakov and someone dressed up like an angel and uh, we have Yaakov beat up the angel once a year. You know? Um, there's a, let, let's read uh, this Torah portion on a special holiday. But all we're doing is, is not to eat from this sinew, right? And even though this is a mitzvah that really, when did Jews have to keep this mitzvah? Really at Sinai. But this was so important, so no, you got to do this right away. It means there were seven Noahide laws, Avram added circumcision from that point on, and Yaakov added Gira Nosha from that point on. So, it, it's a it, the, the the problem here. This is this is according to Sefer Hachinuch that um, this is an incredible. It's a, this is more than just remembering an event with Yaakov. This is foreshadowing all Jewish challenges that we'll be able to overcome them. I mean, this is a very significant point that we're relating, and we want a mitzvah that attaches with such significance so the question is why are we focusing on a minor little detail of the main story that is the question we want to deal with today it's if anything it seems to make the whole story a lot smaller now there are other commentaries by the way there are other commentaries um, that uh, explain other ways. The Chizkuni, for example, says, you know what the reason for the mitzvah is? Is that the people, the Jews are penalized and punished because they left their father alone. Now, if you learn that, that makes a lot of sense why we don't eat the Giranosh. Because that's exactly what happened. If you would have been with your father, he wouldn't have gotten hurt. So that's like a, a mitzvah, it's a punishment, so to speak. Never eat the gira nosha. Why? Because since you left your father alone, this is what the Chizkuni says. You know, the Torah doesn't really tell us much. The Torah just said, you know, based on the story that, uh, that Yaakov limped, therefore we eat the gira nosha. So the Chizkuni, at least, he, he lowers down the magnitude of, of the occurrence and therefore has a, a parallel application. 
He's saying, listen, they left their father alone. Naughty, naughty, naughty. Shouldn't do that. Next time your dad goes out alone, you're going to join him. So we're going to remember that by not eating that city because that's precisely where Yaakov got hurt. So that already makes sense because that is, is going directly spot on to what's going on over there. Uh, and or since he, or he gives other explanations since he was wounded there the descendants took on to, to not eat from that so it all kind of moves together but especially the Chinuch who takes this on to, to make to have global proportions this isn't just a side point that okay they, you know never, never leave a person alone Okay, that's a nice message. And we'll never will eat the Gidon Nashi because we never should leave a person alone. But it's a relatively small concept. Okay, important concept. Okay, but we, but the mitzvah suits the concept. But the Sefer Achinuch who's saying, no, this is to remind us that no matter what the trouble is, Hashem's going to save us. Hashem's going to help us. This is a mitzvah that really inspires our emuna and Hashem. So if this is such a big thing, it should have a big mitzvah attached to it. What's the idea of a small mitzvah being attached to it? That is the question we're going to analyze today. And we're going to use one fundamental point and apply it on two levels. And then we'll apply this to our lives, what message we take out of this. And to see if maybe, maybe we all have Gid Hanoshes that we have to live with in our lives. So that's where it might be practical. So the first, we have to t discuss the subject of hashgacha, the idea of God's supervision. And there's something called hashgacha klali's general supervision and hashgacha prati's specific supervision. So there was a lot of the, throughout history, the Rambam discussed this, a lot of the Rishonim discussed this, and they gave different interpretations until the Baal Shem Tov came. And the Baal Shem Tov, if you, it's, it's a very complex topic as to how far God's supervision goes. We're going to be just explaining the Baal Shem Tov's opinion. And according to many, this really was the opinion of others, but they were speaking about it in a different way. But let's just, uh, we'll just jump to source 10. And then I'll, I'll spend about 15 to 20 minutes explaining this because it's a very important idea. Because the question is, how involved is Hashem in our lives? Yeah, totally. Okay, so we have to understand what that means. Yeah. So the Baal Shem Tov, um, in certain form, they have 10 principles of Hasidus that the Baal Shem Tov taught. Again, he didn't invent these ideas. These are all part of normative Yiddishkeit, but they kind of fell through the cracks, people focused on other areas and didn't put an, enough significance on it. Baal Shem didn't make up anything new. He was just taking that which was there and making it more um, um, noticeable, accessible, uh, relatable to people. So his tenth principle is, God's providence extends to all created beings, even to inanimate objects and plants, there's nothing that is not viewed from above in every detail. Everything was made with a particular attempt, intent. And he says, and a word to the wise is sufficient. <laughs> okay, so what does he mean? What was, what was the general understanding before the Baal Shem Tov came to sort of make a course correction? And what did he add? 
So before the Baal Shem Tov's time, there are a lot of rabbis who maintain that God manifests his hashkacha over each individual. It only applies to humans. But with regard to animals, plants, and inanimate objects, God had only what we'll call a general interest in the species. That there should be elephants in the world, but he doesn't really care if one elephant kills another elephant or a, a, a hunter kills an elephant. As long as there's elephants in the world, that's fine. But people, Hashem is much more involved with, and specifically Jews, he's much more involved with. So the Baal Shem Tov showed, no, that, that there is a concept of hashkacha on every single thing. Every single thing, Hashem is focused to the nth degree. And what Hasidus taught, as opposed to uh, what the common teachings were before, before they were all discussing in terms of how, how it, much is it revealed. In the revealed world, it's hard to see how Hashem is supervising every little thing. But when you go to the concealed world, that is where Hashem is taking care of every single thing. So for example, and he cites a Gemara in Chulin, which is a piece of Talmud, that's revealed Torah, that's not Pazitas. It says when Rabbi Yochanan would see a type of bird, the Shalach, and it, it, it could be maybe even the pelican. Now it's very interesting, the pelican. You know, if you ever go to the uh, uh, beach or certain areas, tropics, you see these, or I don't know, pelicans has other ones that swoop in. On the water. What's the other one? This a heron, maybe. Yeah. Anyway, they go slamming in, and they scoop up a fish. You know, by the way, that this, this all happens in salt water. You know what eventually happens to all these birds? They turn blind because they keep diving into salt water, diving into salt water, diving into salt water. Eventually they turn blind and they cannot catch any more fish and they starve to death and die. But anyway, this is an interesting point. But anyway, so when he would see one of these pelicans come swooping down and eating a fish, he does go, wow, that's cool. Too bad I didn't have my cell phone with me. He would say about Hashem, your judgments are in the lowly depths. Meaning to say, for whatever reason, Hashem, you've arranged to carry out that this bird kills this fish and was meant to die. So what do you see? One of the rabbis of the Gemara said, it's not just nature for, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, what's that magazine called? Uh, National Geographic. Or, you know, it's, it's, it's Hashem was involved in that that specific bird is going to eat that specific fish. And why is that? Because the Baal Shem Tov said that everything in this world, if you understand the concept, and this is where the whole concept of Enod Melvado is really brought in, and the idea of Yichud Hashem and unity of Hashem, everything owes its existence to Hashem. So therefore, everything is interconnected to Hashem. There's not anything in this world that's not connected to Hashem. And as Hashem is, 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 is the source of life for the fish, for the bird, for the human who would have eaten the fish, for the human who will eat the bird, or whatever, the whole ecosystem, everything. So it's not just as the secular rules, it's the natural ecosystem that, 
that has a chain and all those things. No, God has specific intentions of how the world should run. And therefore, every little thing that happens is under God's divine supervision. Everything, even a blade of grass that grows. Hashem wants that blade of grass to grow exactly as it should. It's interesting. Maybe I'm giving this class because uh, this, uh, what was it? It was on Shabbos. It was on Shabbos. Uh, if you're familiar how my front yard looks. So we have a neighbor adjacent to our left that has a, a bunch of old trees. And uh, we went to shul um, in the morning. And then when we came back, the neighbor's tree whew, fell on our house and fell down and was all over our yard. So it wasn't just the wind that did that. You know, we have to understand, wow, Hashem wanted the neighbor's tree to fall right where it fell on my property. I don't know why exactly. Dented the gutter, but uh, but that wasn't just random. It, Hashem wanted it to be that way. So, and there has to, and that's the point. There's an intent. If God is in charge of everything, there's got to be intent. So, so there's a very nice example that I think the... Uh, the women will appreciate this. The one Lubavitcher Rebbe gives this example, but I can use a lot of other examples. Okay, if you you know you know who who comes to mind. Not that I'm excluding anybody, but I've never really taken good looks at your kitchen. That's, that's none of my business. But if you remember Miriam Deverett, because when she cashed her home and I had to be in her house and check things out, if you ever were in her house, you would see everything in its place as most Asia's Hiles will have you know like, like everything you know there there's there, the, the woman has an inventory of everything in the home exactly what she needs is in the right place let's say this this uh this hot air cooker that she uses every day is got easy access and the cholent pot that's once a week is a little further away and the Pesach dishes are further away and the salt is bedafka over here because I have it here and I don't have it there because I'll mix it up with this. There's cheshbonos to everything. And, and woe to the husband who says to the wife, why did you put the black pepper over there? She'll say, what do you know about a kitchen? Do you know how often I use the black pepper? I use it for fleshics and not for milichics. And if I use it with the milichics, the steam will come onto it. And this and that. I have a million calculations. And you just ask me, why is the black pepper over there? It doesn't come by itself. It's all planned out. So that everything, so, so when she pulls out one thing, you don't have 20 dishes falling down. That's for, I'm sure all the women here uh, fit into that category. Or, um, oh, and so that I think is, is, a, is a good example. So you can imagine that when a woman who's mere flesh and blood is running her kitchen, that she figures it out good and well, imagine God will do at least as good as women, if not better than women, in making sure that everything fits exactly where it should be. Okay. So this is, in general, that Hashem manifests His supervision over the creation as a whole. And that's how it works with everything. To the extent that He was once teaching this to the Hasidim, 
And the Hasidim were having trouble understanding the idea. It said, said, Rebbe, do you mean to say that every leaf on every tree, Hashem is supervising it? He says, yes. And at that time, the wind blew and a leaf fell off. So they said, Rebbe, you believe that Hashem had in mind that that leaf should fall off to the ground? That fall there? He said, yep. It's hard to believe. He says, let's take a look at the leaf. They take a leaf, underneath they pick up, and there's a little one of these, uh, you know, those little uh, things that become butterflies. Caterpillar. Caterpillar thing. You see, it was very hot day. The caterpillar was screaming out to Hashem, it's very hot. So Hashem had to blow the leaf off and give him some shade. Now you're going to say, what does Hashem care about a caterpillar? You know, that's not our business. Or as they say, the hurricanes come from the butterflies. Okay? So every, and it has to be that way. Now, it may not appear that way to us. That that's, you see, when we look at the world, we may see, well, I don't have a lot of stories of Hashkacha Pratis about, about caterpillars under leaves that I'm familiar with. And maybe you'll find stories of Hashkacha Pratis with you, maybe more with a tzaddik. But the, the only difference is it's revealed to us. But nothing has fundamentally changed. Hashem is mamish. Every little thing is under his thumb. And it, nothing, nothing does except one thing, human free will choice. But even within human free will choice, everything that's going on in your body is, is, is happening because Hashem wants it to happen. And if Hashem would not want you to exercise his free will choice, you would, uh, you would uh, be uh, an invalid immediately. Okay, but the fact that God didn't choose, chose not to do this is for reasons that only He is aware of. And He is even helping you do an Avera at the time you do an Avera. At the time that you are eating treif, Hashem is helping your jowls chew and work perfectly and your stomach work perfectly. It's all Hashem is having all this happen. Now, that is true for every single thing in the world except for one thing, the Jews. The Jews, it's a little bit different. And this is what we have to talk about. And a lot of tzaddikim uh, who talk about it, they kind of say this is very wondrous, it's going to be hard to understand this idea. So we'll try our best to explain in two ways this idea. It's very important because we kind of want to know how does Hashem relate to us? <laughs> and what is He involved with with us? He seems He's involved with every, any, everything, so how could we be any different than anybody else? Okay? And again, if you look in source 7 and 8 where it says, you see this appears to be a contradiction, it says God's eye is on those who fear Him. God's eyes are on the righteous. One says I, one says eyes. Well, the difference is how much is it revealed to us? If, you're, if you fear Hashem, your regular good jewel, it's, it looks like Hashem has one eye on you. If you're really righteous, like, it looks like Hashem has two eyes on you. So, you, you, to us, it might appear, oh, that Sonic Hashem Mamish, he saved his life. While the other person, Hashem, didn't save his life. No, to our eyes it might look that way, but Hashem is treating everybody the same. No question about it. So where is the difference over here? So here's the point. 
he says, uh, this is all in the Hasidic writings over here. It says, even though every particular element of existence has some purpose for the creation of the whole. In other words, everything in the world, for what happens to it, somehow fits into the overall scheme. It promotes the goal, whatever that goal may be. However, when it comes to the Jewish people, it's not that what happens to us works towards that goal. But if you look at sources 9, 10, and 11, for example, when we make the bracha of the Torah, we say, Asher bochar banu mikol ha'amin. You chose us from all the nations. Or Malachi says, Hashem says, I love you. Talk about the Jewish people. Although Esau is Yaakov's brother, I hate him, but I love Yaakov. Or the Medrash says that the world was created for the sake of the Torah and the sake of the Jewish people. Now, that's a little bit different than saying, well, whatever you do has something to do with the overall plan. The Jew is the overall plan. It's not that the chicken that's, uh, that's walking by a Jew, it just happens to be a hungry Jew who needs supper to eat and Hashem wants that kosher chicken to be there and there's hashkacha that the chicken comes, the Jew can eat the chicken, the Jew can live and now the chicken fits into the overall scheme of how Hashem wants the whole world to run. But the rest of the world themselves do not embody the ultimate purpose and goal of creation. They're just the intermediaries to enable Hashem's intent of the Torah and the Jews to be consummated. Okay? So, and, and therefore, um, that's fine. But for the Jew, Hashem, his whole intention is for the Jew. It's not we're a means to a goal. We are the goal. And if we are the goal, then Hashem's wanting for us isn't just how does the Jew fit into the whole plan of the world. Hashem relates to us as we are the end goal. And we have, we'll say, an intrinsic value. So let me, let me give you a couple examples to explain this idea that it's not just that the Jew has, you know, okay, where does the Jew fit into the whole world? No, the Jew is the whole world. <laughs> so it's not where does the Jew fit into the whole world, it's how the whole world fits into the Jew and what has to happen with this Jew. I'll explain this more. It's a difficult concept, but it's well worth hanging in. So let's give an example. It all has to do with the desire. Remember, this is Hashem's desire. Hashem desired to give pleasure to mankind. And specifically to the Jewish people, which includes each and every Jew. So now, everybody else, Hashem wants to maintain other people because they have something to do with the overall goal. But the Jews are the overall goal. And when the Jews the overall goal, there's a lot more focus on what's happening with the Jews. So let's give an example, a, a, a mundane example, relative to Hashem, to get understand that, that we can then understand Hashem. Let's say a person has a desire to master the entire Talmud. So when will he be satisfied? 
That's not a trick question. It's not a trick question. Okay, now I know many of you are not familiar with the entire Talmud. There's some parts of the Talmud that are really hard. Like, really, really hard. And there's some parts, I mean, there's never any part that's not hard, but there's some parts that are relatively easier. Okay? So now, does it matter to the person who wants to master the entire Talmud if he mastered a difficult page or an easy page? Let's say he mastered a lot of difficult pages. That's okay, but he's still not satisfied because his desire has not been accomplished. I gotta have the whole thing. Uh, and you learned a lot. Oh, I learned 50 pages today. That's okay. But are you, are you finished? Are you happy with that? No. Now, if the question is, I just want to learn a page a day, well, it doesn't matter what page I learn. You know, it, it's not that important. But if my desire is to, if my desire is to learn the hard parts of the Talmud, then I'm only interested in the hard parts. If my desire is to only learn the interesting parts of the Talmud, then my desire is interesting. But if my desire is to master the entire Talmud, then it's not enough. It's not my what if my desire is to increase my knowledge of Torah. Well, then if I increase whatever I increase is okay. But if my desire is to master the entire Talmud, that means every, even the littlest piece is important. What if he learned all the hard pieces? And for some reason he couldn't get his hand on a book, one piece of Talmud, it's so easy. So that's easy, it doesn't matter, I don't know, what's the difference? Like, I got the hard stuff. No, but you want to know everything. So that makes a big difference. Similarly, the t uh, let me give another example, and we'll apply this now specifically to women mostly about weddings. Is there anything small in a wedding? <laughs> okay, I know the ring is expensive, the, the caterer is expensive, but there are smaller things. There's what about those little cards that you write with the names of the people? Now, in the grand scheme of things, this is not important, is it? But if it's not there, the whole wedding's not destroyed. Because at a wedding, it's got to be all perfect, right? Right? Well, maybe present company excluded. But uh, generally speaking, you have a lot of people very upset if something doesn't go right. Knock it off. The, really, all you need is two, three people. The chassan, the kala, the masada kedushin. That's all you really need. And they're going to get married regardless if you have any food at all. But you know what? It's a wedding. And just like they say, you know, there's a kala, and kala comes from the word call everything. So it's got to all be good. Can you imagine a kala who has a great dress, and they mamish made up her face with, I don't know why, I don't know why they have to make up their face. They're all gorgeous young women anyway. But they put all this stuff for three hours. Can you imagine one fingernail doesn't have uh, finger polish? <laughs> Whatever, nail polish. You got all beautiful red and this, and this one. Finished. The wedding's over. Her life is finished. She cracks the nail. You know, it's, it's, like, it's like life is over. Tragedy. But isn't it true, though? From that perspective, I'm using it as a marshal. 
for whatever reason, people feel this is important, right? Some, okay, now let's take a little bit more spiritual. How about mitzvahs? It says in Pirkei do not weigh one mitzvah against another. Don't, you know, oh, these are the big, these are the hard mitzvahs. Yes, I'll die for Hashem. That's a big one. Uh, whatever. Keeping kosher, let's say, is a big one. Whatever. But, uh, you know, th- this other thing of, uh, you know, be kind to animals. Like, I don't care. I don't care about animals or whatever. Everyone will have their own list of what they think is important. No, Hashem said, you know, says, don't judge what mitzvah. You never know. Because what's the whole point? The whole point is, the goal is to do all the mitzvahs. I mean, if we can, if we can, okay, certain mitzvahs we can't do. But are you going to say that my goal is, well, I'll do, you know, I'll keep Shabbos, I'll keep kosher, I'll keep family purity, and that's fine. Well, what about the other uh, 610 mitzvahs? Well, no, these are the big ones, these are the important ones. Well, not really, because to be a proper Jew, you've got to do everything. Okay, and therefore, if one thing is missing, it's not good. How about a convert? He said, I'm going to do all 612 mitzvahs. Oh, no, there's another one. Oh, they didn't teach me that. Oh, no, not that one. Not that one. I ain't doing that one. Okay, so it's 612 out of 13. That's about 99.7%. Isn't that good enough for me to be a Jew? No, it's got to be 100%. You know, that reminds me of the story of the, uh, the potential convert who was willing to all 613 mitzvahs. And then finally he had the last thing is to go into the mikvah. So he has to go into the mikvah and he says, Rabbis, I got a terrible fear of water. I'll go up till here, but not anymore. So the rabbi said, listen, we'll... We'll figure out what to do. Anyway, he goes in, he goes, he goes, he's up, up, up. Okay, just one more. Just, just, no, no, no. He's not going to do it. Okay, so they're a little bit modern rabbis. So they say, okay, it's close enough. It's close enough. You're Jewish. And uh, they make a lachayim and nikir shmo yisrael avram ben avram, this and that. And even though he didn't do that last part. So the other rabbi said, oh, he looks like a fine, fine new Jew. He's a fine Jew, but he has a Goyesha cup. Oh. Okay. So. But he's much time with Paul. Right. But, but, but the idea being, yeah, you got to have everything. Everything has significance for the thing that is meant to be perfect. So therefore, the Jewish people, a nation that is close to Hashem, Hashem wants everything for us. Not just a little. And therefore Hashem's supervision over us is for every little thing. Because every little thing is important for the people that He has chosen. Okay? Other creatures, you know, He doesn't have to focus on that much. Just they are the mediums in order for the higher purpose to come through via the Torah and the Jewish people. So therefore, other things will get supervision depending how important they are. If, let's say, a Goy is the President of the United States, Hashem's keeping a bigger eye on him because he is going to impact the Jews more than the guy who cleans the floor at the White House. Now, God will have some supervision over him too. 
But, uh, I mean, if the president sees that the floor is dirty, he could be upset one day, kick the cat, and then kill the Jews. So, you know, it, but, but it's not as likely as that, as that, the, that the president himself has something not good with him. Okay, so therefore you got to understand that that's and similar analogous to human body. There are certain parts of the body that need much more attention than others. The heart needs more attention, the brain needs more attention, the lungs need more attention, and the fingers not as much. Okay, however, the but, but with the Jews, since we are the purpose of the creation, and Hashem created us for our good. So therefore, Hashem is very interested in every little thing that we do. Because what we do is not a means to an end. It is the end. And therefore, it's everything. We are like God's chasana. It has to be perfect. And therefore, everything we do, Hashem watches and makes sure that everything is perfect. And that's why He expects more from us. He demands more from us. He, because everything we do makes a difference, he will be a lot more particular on how we do things. Again, if you're, if you're just uh, eating at a fast food burger joint, you don't care if it's not 100% clean, it's not 100% this, but if it's a wedding, everything makes a difference. And therefore, we're talking about the Jewish people who are not just a medium to make sure things happen, but that's the whole point of the whole creation, so therefore, every particular thing is, has major significance, okay? So all the particulars are very, it, it's not something that's small or big. Everything about us is big. Everything about us is important, even though it's small. So now we can understand, let's go back to our story over here. Of all the parts of the story, of the Yaakov story, what we say are the big parts of the story? And what are the small parts of the story? What would we say is the major parts of the story? The fight with the angel. The what? The fight, the fight with the angel, kicking up a storm, not letting the angel go. It's all important. But since Yaakov is the Rezan, the Etra of creation, that every little thing is important. And the fact that he got a, a dislocated body part, that's also important. And therefore the message is, is through focusing on the small part. That now shows you how important God's supervision. What were we saying? What did the Sefer Kinnach say? That God is supervising the Jewish people. Right? That it's telling us that no matter what our suffering is, we know that Hashem is watching over us, Hashem will be saving us. But is it just that He saves us, He saves the big people? What about the small people? Does He save us for big things? What about little things? We are His kala. We are His wedding. So everything we do is important to God. It's not that, well, what we do has a, has a, a residual effect to this, to this, to that, eventually to the important thing. No, we are the goal. And by being the goal, then every little thing is important. Which now explains a lot of things. Why, with Yaakov, whatever little thing he does wrong, God clips him on it. Whatever he does, Hashem's on top of him. Why is it the Jewish people are like this? 
Why is it we suffer more than everyone else? Because everything we do is so important. It's not just something that makes something else happen. It is the goal. When a Jew is suffering, even if his toenail hurts, it bothers God. If a Jew does a little sin, it bothers God. Why? Not the bothers him that he's upset with us, but we are the whole goal of the creation. As the whole goal of the creation, so every part, every part's important. There's no such thing as a little part. Now, I would imagine for most of us, our children are one of the big goals in our lives. And how much do the little things bothering them bother us a lot? Even though we know it's a little thing, but for the kid it's a big thing. How many times do we go over to the coach in Little League and say, you know, just give him a prize too, please, come on. But he lost, he struck out 27 times. The team lost every game because of him. You wanna give him a prize? But come on, he's my kid, come on, just give him something. Because every little thing is important. So you gotta realize that every little thing we do is very important to Hashem. And there's no such thing as not important things. A lot of times we think in our lives that certain things happen in our lives and they're not that important. You know, and a person has to ask themselves, what was the most important experience in your life? You know what the answer is? The one you're in right now. That's the most important experience of your life. Well, I'm not doing much now. No such thing as not doing anything now. No such thing as it not being important. Hashem has invested you with life for this moment. It's the most important thing you could do. No, no, no. The more important thing is when I got married, when I did this amazing chesed, when I saved the world from nuclear holocaust, and all those amazing other things, when I founded this tremendous chesed organization. No, 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 no. That's also true. But the small things are very important to me too. It's, it's how you say Shema Yisrael on a Wednesday afternoon night is really important to me. It's very important to me. Because because you are the you are the reason for everything who who's the most important person you've ever dealt with the one you're dealing with now and when you realize that every little thing is so important to Hashem what will be a great side benefit if not the main benefit is you'll have a lot of simcha sachaim you'll have a lot of pleasure in life because there's no such thing as something what it's a tremendous responsibility well responsibility opportunity like to live up to such but it's but Hashem entrusts you with that Hashem Hashem trusts you that you're you're his kid and you're gonna you're the whole reason I created I created the whole world just for you so like you should feel thrilled you should feel thrilled that Hashem, Hashem, there's nothing insignificant in my life. You know, especially, you know, different people have different challenges in life. And some people may feel very fulfilled that they have a wonderful career and they love their job and they love those things. And I'm not minimizing that. And, that, and they're very blessed. But not everybody has every minute filled with amazing things. There gets a time in everybody's life when either you are, let's say, not well and you're out of action for a week. Let's say you have a terrible cold for a week. So you go, well, that week of my life is a write-off. No, it's not a write-off. You have to be an Eved Hashem, the same way you would have Hashem. This is not a small little thing. The fact that uh, you, uh, Kathy, who sees all these people all the time, 
thank God I haven't been in her office for a while, but I would always have these sciatica problems, right? I still got to serve Hashem when I have sciatica, right? No matter what. So, so I'm, I'm, I, I'm limping. So you don't serve Hashem when you're limping? You got to serve Hashem when you're limping. No, I'll wait till I feel better, then I'll serve Hashem. No, 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 the limping is part of the service of Hashem. Well, no, Hashem's only interested in the big things that I do. No, no, Hashem's interested when you're limping too. It's very important to him too that, you, that you're involved that. Every little thing is so important. So, it's, it's, so you, there's two ways you could look at it. If you want to be neurotic, then you could say, oh man, I'm going to get killed for every little thing I do. Or if you want to feel empowered, you could say, my, oh my, am I a special person. Baruch Hashem, Shalom, Asani, Goy. As much as Biden thinks he's an important guy, God says only in terms of how he involves the Jewish people. Otherwise, he couldn't care less about that guy. Hashem cares more about you than Biden. Okay? And he cares about you, as we'll see in a minute, as much as he cares about any tzaddik. Also. So if we're supposed and, to emulate Hashem, if he cares about even the littlest things, we have to emulate Hashem, we have to... Well, in two ways. That we should do the little things in a big way, and we should, um, um, what's the word, acknowledge other people's little things as big things. A lot of times you only want to acknowledge big things. But who's to say it's what's big, what's small? So the whole point, we're saying we have a big idea here. The big idea is the survival of the Jewish people. That's the big thing. So how do we celebrate it? With this little sinew. Why? Because the big picture, little things are just as important in the big picture. There's no such thing. You know, if, if the kind of goes into the, uh, Kaingal is the holiest Jew on the holiest day, goes to the holiest place in the base of Megdash. But if he has one eensy, beensy, little thought of something other than Hashem, a fraction of a fraction of a, he dies on the spot. Now, that's not meant to scare you. It's just meant to say that even the little things are important. The little things are important. And, and a lot of times people feel, I, I don't have an important life. I don't do really big things anymore. You know, this, this is the great fear of rabbis and rebbitsons and public officials and politicians, not to be said in the same breath. But, you know, once, <laughs> once you're not doing that anymore, it seems you're, you've come down. Or you were like at the top of your business enterprise. And then you... Fourth figures. Right. What? It's when people have to retire and they have to stop with it. Yeah, so then now I'm not of any value. Well, wait a minute. Like all those little things are, are, are just as important. And you have to realize that they, they, they carry a tremendous weight. And that's... And how do we remember all of this? By what? The, the limp. Which is a relatively small thing. But that is because the Jewish people, the shkocha, the Jewish people is every little thing. Okay, now I still have quite a bit to say and i got to judiciously plan out the next 12 minutes. So somebody's going to have to give over here. So, okay, well, the second deeper shot of the Val um, we're going to have to leave just because of time. But I think this is a, a good message already. And But now we'll go with Rav Hirsch, which is right at the end. And Rav Hirsch kind of gives us the flip end of this which is really nice which is really nice so 
Ravursh uh, gives a, an understanding of this mitzvah a little bit different than the Chinuch, but it's, it's pretty s- along the same lines. What is exactly prohibited? That sciatic nerve. What does the sciatic nerve, um, Kathy, enable you to do when it's healthy? Your, your lung. How about supplies the entire lower limb? I know, but how about walk. stand erect, stand walk, walk unassisted? Would you say that's? Absolutely. I mean, it's it's not obvious, but it's, it, it, to you it is. Yeah. Only when we heard it. <laughs> Otherwise, it, you don't even know it exists. But that's what it really does. Correct. So really, what's the sciatic nerve? The symbol of physical strength. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't scream out and tell you about it only when it, you throw it out. It also tells, screams about your resilience. Okay, now the angel of Esau is fighting with Yaakov, right? He found he could not defeat Yaakov. He couldn't. So what does he do? He dislocates the thigh. He injures the sinew, causes him to limp. So physically, what's happened? He has hindered Yaakov's stride, but what's the symbolism of it? He's diminished his sure-footedness. Okay? So what is that hint? Remember, whatever happens to Yaakov happens to Jewish people. What is this hinting to? That Yaakov's descendants would limp through history. And, you know, if that sciatic nerve, when it's in good shape, you're standing strong and you amount to something, you're big. So there's going to be times when the angel can't destroy us, but he could hit us and we could be symbolically limping in many ways, like lose our money. Um, We don't have any credibility with the nations of the world, victims of anti-Semitism. And that could be all, we'll call it, external weaknesses, you know, that, that cause our prestige to go down. In Germany, 1933, Nuremberg Laws, what did it cause all the Jews in Germany to do? To limp. That's what it was. That's what it was. So the question is, how do we look at it? Oh, that's really terrible. That's a terrible thing. Or maybe not. Maybe it's a really good thing. Maybe it's advantageous for us to maybe know that the hand of Hashem is directing everything and that Hashem alone guarantees our survival. In other words, when we are going through life and everything's going fine and dandy and we think we're making friends with the Goyim and the economy is good and everything's good and things are great, is that going to ensure our survival? <laughs> or maybe when we dafka know we can't do it by ourselves and we know on our own we're limping, maybe that is indeed what guarantees our survival. And let's think about it. The very encounter with the Malach. Now when does Yaakov really win the battle? After he gets injured. <laughs> after he gets injured because he got elevated spiritually when that hip socket became dislocated all of a sudden Yaakov's out this extra strength he said I'm not going to let you go till you bless me and then he now calls him Yisrael meaning that you can contend with powerful beings and you can prevail 
And it was precisely by being weakened physically because this physical weakness testified to where the real strength comes from. And the real strength comes from Hashem's supervision. And that's why he was called Yisroel, which really means the commanding power of God. And to realize that we are the commanding power of God. So every time a Jew slaughters an animal to eat it, and he does not eat that sinew, which is the symbol of our strength, to realize that the material prowess really is in the world of Esau. He's the one who lives by the sword, but we live by Hashem's protection. And that's how we see that we have that unique reality of it, even in these small things. And that's what I put down on 17. So if this is such an important thing, why do so many people you said at the beginning not even know about it? Because you just go and you buy whatever you Well, thank, well you know, thank God we live in good times. But when we come to this parsha every year, we have to understand what that message is. So look what Rev Hirsch writes at the end. He says in 17. He says, if Yaakov f falls, he falls not because he's not equal to Ace of Immaterial Power, rather because he has not understood how to retain the protection of God for himself. If Israel stands, it stands not because of its strong material power, because God bears them aloft on the eagle wings of his almighty. So maybe, maybe I should, he didn't trust Hashem. He took his own family and he said he moved them to a safe yeah, place. So what are you asking? So the question is, if he had 100% trust in Hashem, why well, think it's... No, because even if you have trust in Hashem, Hashem says you have to go through the motions. Huh. Yeah. He goes through the motions. But then when he gets hit, then he realizes that he is totally dependent on Hashem. And that's when he gets the greater strength that comes from that. So now you understand better why we focus on this area specifically. This area specifically that shows our weakness is our strength. The fact that we can be so weak shows that, you know what, that means we're not trusting in Hashem. And, and every little thing is part of that major reality over here. And this now, let's just tie it into Hanukkah in the last two, three minutes. I've got to tie this in. So if you really think about it, a lot of the same is happening with the Hanukkah. What was, if I asked you, what's the big, the big story of the Hanukkah story? The big, if I say, number one story was the Yeshiva Bachers destroyed the enemy. We were able to eventually get back the base on Migdash. That was the story, right? So why are we dealing on a little detail? Illuminar went for eight days. I mean, the scheme of things, that wasn't important. I mean, what important was the miracles that Hashem did for us. So now, what, what's, what, is that, and isn't that the same question about the Gira Nosha? <coughs> Yeah, but Is, isn't the menorah the Gira Nasha of the Hanukkah story? Isn't it? Mm -hmm. So the answer is the same thing. Don't think that the holiday is to celebrate the big things only. Hashem said, you know, yes, so what are we going to celebrate? When we are able to destroy powerful enemies. Oh, that's when the Jewish people are amazing. When I'm able to accomplish a big thing, that's when I'm going to have self-esteem. And Hashem says, you know, after all is said and done, guys, it's all about 
everything. Everything is important about you. Not just the big things. The fact, in comparison, having religious freedom, throwing the yoke of the Greeks off of us, getting rid of such a power that is assimilating us, that is like so huge compared to just being able to light a menorah in the Beis Hamikdash with the finest of oils and not to just wait a week. It's almost a not necessary miracle. It really wasn't necessary because they could have waited a week and they would have got oil. But Rabbi, everybody knows that miracle. We don't know this mitzvah. I mean... I mean, uh, uh, okay, that's, that's, well, let me just finish this one thing. I'll give you a thing. But, but you see the similarity here. Now yeah, understand why Rav Wolfson said the gematria of Kaf Yerech Yaakov is Lahadlik Ner Hanukkah. Okay. Like why, why is everything Lahadlik Ner Hanukkah? What are you talking about? The answer is that's the Gita Nusha of Hanukkah. To show that, you know what? Don't think Hanukkah is a holiday for great warriors. And little things, and you, and you stumble along the way, and you try to do a mitzvah, and you failed miserably. And you got wounded, and your, your pride got wounded, and you limped out of davening, putting on your tefillin backwards, and you wound up speaking Lush and Hara when you were trying to give someone rebuke, and you didn't do it right, and you got injured with all these little things. And to realize for Hashem, that's, that's just as important. I didn't make you win the big battles to always win big battles. I did so you could do little things too. And they're just as, because you are the purpose of creation. You're not a means to the goal. You are the goal. And that's why, so, so you're saying, why don't we know about this mitzvah? Because people don't go over to Chumash. <laughs> if you go over to Chumash every week, you'd know. But this is preparing us for Hanukkah. True. And to realize that everyone can have a Hanukkah victory. And it could be just a little light. You'll light up a little warmth to your feelings towards HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to Hashem, that's, that's equally as important as fighting the big battles of Yahadus in your family. And Hashem, they're all, he wants the entire picture. So is that also where that expression comes from? If we just do a little thing, the eye of the needle, Hashem opens up. Well, that, that's, a, that's a tangent of that, but we only have to do what we can't do. And sometimes it's a small thing, but there's nothing small. The fact is that, that the small thing is what Hashem folks have. Okay, got to stop. There's a whole other part I didn't get to, but with plenty to chew on. Plenty to chew on.